You know, they go to the trouble to play organ music. I just like to hear it once in a while. <laughs> this is thrown off the short glass and knocked down a I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. That clip that you just heard at the beginning there was from the 2018 Stanley Cup Final. It featured organist Bruce Anderson, who plays at Washington Capitals games, and announcer Mike Doc Emmerich. We are talking about hockey and organ music today. Our guest is hockey editor Josh Goldsmith who's on the phone with us from fellow frozen tundra much of the year, Toronto. He is senior editor at The Score, a publicly traded digital media company that delivers sports scores, data, and news. Josh also runs the Twitter account Organist Alert, promoting sports organists and the songs they play. Welcome to the show, Josh. All right. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. This episode airs on October 1st, and the regular NHL season begins October 2nd. So we're kind of kicking off the hockey season here with this episode about organ music and hockey. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the organ being used in sports? Both in baseball and hockey, the organ is a fundamental has always has been a fundamental element of the uh, the in-game experience for many for many decades, and it dates back to the '40s in uh, in baseball. But you know, if we're if we're focusing on hockey, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks were the first team to bring about uh, the organ, and they only did it for one. It was a sort of a trial thing, and they. They ended up sticking, and they realized that there was a there was a period without getting too much into sort of uh, music history and pop culture history and sort of societal changes and things. There was a period in the early kind of twentieth century when organs were really popular in people's homes, and it was like a it was a, it was a popular home instrument to have, but much mm-hmm. like. A, and this is like what time? Around the twenties, thirties, sort of. Okay. Long time ago, um, and much the way that sort of pianos became. Uh, sort of a staple of people's living rooms and things later later on in the 20th century. And yeah, and, and that sort of just gravitated, I guess, to sports arenas. Well, it was a popular theater instrument, so that was mm-hmm. a, a major part of it. So it was used, you know, with silent movies and then with, with talkies. Uh-huh. And, you know, the fact that it was, it was a staple of movie theaters and then people's homes, uh, you know, it just was a natural next step to have them appear and to be used in uh, at sports arenas where you know people were congregating. Yeah, I saw somewhere that the that first wave of sports organists kind of were available because they were trained to play for these silent films and then they weren't really needed for that anymore and the ballpark was like the perfect place for them to be employed when they weren't needed for the silent films, is that right? Yeah, that, I think that's pretty much it is that when the film industry changed and they weren't needed in theaters anymore. All of a sudden, like, where are we going to put all these organs? And like I said, I think that sporting events, they, um, you know, the team, the owners of teams, the managers of teams, the general managers of teams and whatnot, the executives that run the team, ran the teams, I think they realized, hey, you know, let's try this out at games and, and see how fans react. And they reacted and, you know, obviously it was a successful thing and it became a fixture at hockey games, baseball games, and even later in, at basketball games as well. So, well, I was going to ask that because I always think of hockey as baseball, you know, associated with baseball and hockey, but I saw references to 
um, organ music being used at Lakers games and at even soccer games? How often is it used in other sports? Uh, yeah, I mean, not as often as hockey and baseball, for sure. But it is uh, it is a big part of it. Certain NBA teams, for example, uh, I believe there's about eight NBA teams now that uh, about 30 or so that use live, that employ live organists, which is lower than baseball and hockey. Uh, but there are teams like the New York Knicks that have had it for many decades. And Ray Castoldi is the rain, is New York Rangers organist for hockey, but he also, having played in that same arena, the Knicks play in the same arena, and he plays at Knicks games as well. Okay. So, you know, that happens with some teams. Uh, Bruce Anderson, who uh, you just mentioned mm-hmm. not long ago, uh, he's the Capitals organist, but since he also, you know, he works at that arena, mm-hmm. they also ask him to play at, at Wizards games. So the Washington Wizards, the NBA team plays there, and okay. he, plays, he plays at their game as well. So sometimes that happens out of convenience, but also, you know, it, it's up to the individual teams, obviously, whether they want to have a live organist or not, and uh-huh. not, all, not all of them do in some cases. You know, every every sport is different in terms of what the team's and leagues and and such want as their sort of in-game entertainment and you know there's a there's just a much longer history i think with hockey and baseball live organ that you know it just it, it's a natural more natural thing for hockey and baseball teams to have one and that's why you know 27 of 31 nhl teams have one right now and about half about 17 or 18 of, of 30 in in major league baseball do so uh, you know, it's obviously not as prevalent in the NBA or in, in, a, in a sport like soccer. But actually, it's funny you mention that. So another example of kind of a, an organist playing for multiple teams, there's a great organist named Bobby Cressy who uh, plays at San Diego Padres games in Major League Baseball. But he also plays um, at hockey and soccer games. So mm. uh, San Diego now also has, has a hockey team called the Gulls, who are the Anaheim Ducks AHL affiliate, their primary minor league team, mm-hmm. and he play, he plays occasionally at, at Gulls games, and oh, okay. he, so he plays for hockey games, and it's a fairly new thing for him. And he sometimes jokes on Twitter that he's just sort of learning, still learning how to play or going to add a hockey game because of the, the pace is different and there's different things that happen in the course of a game. Oh, uh-huh. It's not just doing baseball and stuff, so that's pretty interesting. But he also plays for forgive me, I can't remember the name of the league that this team plays in, but it's the San Diego Soccers. Spelled S O C K E R S. They're a soccer, uh, a pro soccer team in San Diego, and he plays at their games sometimes as well. And you know he's he, he's not full time with any of the teams, as far as I understand, because he's also a gigging musician who play, plays in lots of different bands. He has his own career. Uh, he has, uh, records his own records and whatnot. So you know there are, there are uh, several examples of, of organist men and women like that who uh, play for multiple teams in multiple sports and. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in the city that they're in. Maybe there's multiple teams, and and if they're in demand, you know, if it's working in at one arena, maybe it'll work in another one, and they end up getting multiple jobs. So it is great to see that. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously not as prevalent in, in basketball and soccer, like I said. But that's I think just due to the lack of, you know, it's just so much more ingrained in hockey and baseball history-wise, uh-huh. uh, and a lot of teams recognize that, and they I think a lot of the game presentation directors, as they're called, you know, the people who decide on the the entertainment for games, I think a lot of them realize that the, just the sound of the organ and the role of the organ, um, you know, it um, it really it, it enhances the in-game the, the the fans' experience when they hear the they when they hear the organ that that gives them a certain feeling that they're at a hockey game, that they're at a baseball game, whatever it might be. Right. Well, just just hearing that clip at the beginning of the show here, I mean, just hearing that really puts you in the game mood. Exactly. It's just a, it's something you expect to hear at a hockey game. 
Uh, it's just, it's so ingrained in the sound of hockey, you know, whether you're in um, an NHL arena at a Stanley Cup final like that, or maybe you're in a, a smaller barn in a smaller town and watching a minor league game, or a, there's something about that sound that people just, you hear that and you instantly, in that context anyway, and you instantly associate it with hockey. Sure, sure. Well, music, it, the, the organ music in hockey or other sports, it, it is entertaining. It fills the breaks in the action. But it's part of it is entertaining just to hear those standards that get played over and over. And part of it, too, is the organists themselves when they improvise the playlist a little bit, depending on the game depending on what's happening, depending on who the opponent is. Um, sometimes they'll recognize current events like playing an homage, recognizing a recent death, or if they see a celebrity show up in the Jumbotron, you know, playing like the theme from Rocky, if they see Sylvester Stallone in the audience. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of a fun way. And some some organists are kind of known for being especially talented at doing this. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I can name drop a few. I don't want to, I don't, I never like playing favorites. Uh, you know, I try to sort of, I want to give everybody their due sure. and every, and every organist, you know, just like every musician in other areas of music, every organist has their own style and their own personality and their own sort of way of their own approach uh, mm-hmm. coming at it. Not everyone prefers to improvise like that, but, there are a few that do. Uh, Dieter Rule, who plays at Kings games and Dodgers games as well on, on the baseball side, he is great at uh, sort of picking up what's going on in a game and playing something that, uh, for example, there, there was an earthquake in L.A. I don't know if you remember. There, were, there was a couple earthquakes in a row in L.A. Uh, earlier this summer. Yeah. And, you know, he, as one was going on during a game, he realized what was happening and he played Carol King's I Feel the Earth Move. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and it just just a moment like that is really, I mean, obviously, you know, thankfully everyone was okay and everyone was uh-huh. safe. So that's the first thing you're thinking of. And the second thing is just how uh, amazing it is to, to sort of be in that moment and then still have the presence of mind to think of something like that, to play it and to just really capture the moment in, in musically. And I think a lot of people picked up on it. People were when whenever something like that happens and I may not be on my phone or at my computer, suddenly I'll get a bunch of messages, a bunch of mentions on Twitter. Hey, did you hear, uh, you know, Dieter played this? And it's like, uh, it's like a bat signal, you know, and, <laughs> and then I'll go and if I, you know, if I, as soon as I can, I'll go uh, watch the video of what happened. And, and, you know, I sometimes I'll cut videos and post them on the account and share them with people and stuff. And so I did that with that particular example uh-huh well and you sometimes have called king's games Dieter rule concerts right yeah I sort <laughs> because of jo- his playing is so entertaining i've sort of jokingly said that in the past you know he he's very he's like the extreme in terms of the you know the organist who improvises and sort of plays stuff on the spot he has a lot of well he has a lot of things prepared for certain situations but also there's a lot of uh, kind of spon- a lot of spontaneous things so it's really it can be really entertaining to listen to him to play i don't want to go on and on about Dieter because he's great and i love him but you know there's lots of other organists as well i mean that, that do yeah. the same thing uh kyle hankins crazy kyle is uh, uh the organist for the national predators he does sort of he's also very good at well he takes requests from people on twitter but he also yeah. can improvise very well like that you know there there's countless other examples whether it's hockey or baseball but I, I i guess we should stick to hockey here because that's the focus focus of the show but there's you know there's a lot of great organists who put time into 
referring before the game, whether it's for certain players' names or, you know, kind of the examples that you described of, you know, certain situations, whether they know somebody's going to be in the mm-hmm. have a song prepared for them or whatnot. But then there's the other style of, you know, the organist who is more reactive. Yeah. How do, how do a lot of the organists now come into that field? Like, I know we talked about back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, it was more silent film organists that were then transferring to sports. Uh, what about now? I mean, do some of these people just have this real love for music and a love for sports and they just decide to combine them? Yeah, it's, it is actually really interesting finding out because on, I'm going to be honest, I, I started this account six years ago and I, I'm a musician. I play little keys myself, mm. uh, you know, and I have this sport and I watch a lot of sports. But other than that, I didn't really know a lot about the history and a lot about and a lot about these personalities, a lot about the organists themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in having this account, I've gotten to got connected with a lot of them, and I've you know sort of learned a lot about their their you know how they came to have their jobs and and how long they've been doing them. And I, I know a lot more now uh, through the years, and which has been great. Uh, but it's been also it's just been really interesting learning about how each one of them has like you know as you alluded to how they got their jobs, how they got into this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Again, everybody has a different story. Some, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they just found out through the grapevine that the team was hiring and they auditioned mm-hmm. and, they got, and they got the job. Maybe it's sometimes as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And other times it's, a, oh, a friend works for the team and, you know, he put a good word in for me, suggested I apply and I and I wowed the socks off the game presentation in person and mm-hmm. next thing they gave me the job on the spot. You know, there's a few... Everybody has a story of uh, how they got the job, and and I know like some of them started playing at a very very young age, and started even being an organist at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Guys like Paul Cartier, for who was the Islanders organist and also the Yankees on the baseball side, but he started playing at Islanders games when I believe he was like a late teenager or you know very very young. And same with Dieter. Dieter started playing at uh, Sharks. Uh, yeah, he was playing at Kings and Sharks games, but you know when he Started out, he was also very, very young, like you know, in his teens still. And mm-hmm. you know, these teams were were I, they were just really interested in uh, having this live live organ, live music at, at a game. And to their credit, they were willing to have let you know these sixteen year old men or women play at their games. And that, and that, or you know, I don't know if they were sixteen necessarily, but you know, very very young relative to the rest of the people that worked for the team. These guys and girls were just kids, basically. Some of them when they were starting out. Are there any teenage organists right now at, for any of the sporting um, the teams? Uh, not teenage, but there are a couple of very young. Uh, Curtis Cook, who plays at uh, Sabres games, is I don't want to reveal people's ages and stuff, but for mm, sure. uh, uh, but no, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I believe he's in his twenties. Okay. So, you know, there, there is a perception that sort of organists are older, and you know, it's kind of a stereotype that uh-huh. you know. It's usually like an old person, like you see it playing at church and whatnot. And some of the some of the organists actually who play at NHL games are uh, church organists. So mm-hmm. Jeremy Boyer, who uh, we may hear later uh, in the show, he um, also played one of his side gigs or, or primary gigs uh, is playing at a, playing at church. Uh, okay. playing at church. And you know, so does Kyle. So does Crazy Kyle, who I mentioned earlier. And there's and there are more. Uh, some of them play church, and I believe Curtis Cook has played uh, at churches, and he also plays at, uh, there's a theater in Buffalo that still uses a live organ that he has played at as well. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they all have other gigs because 
not everyone is, first of all, not everyone is full-time. And second of all, you, even the ones who are full-time, I mean, it may not necessarily be uh, enough to support a career. So, you know, they're the working musicians at yeah. night, uh, you know, when there's no game, a hockey game. Right. Or on, yeah. the week, or on the weekends for church or for other gigs and whatnot. So there are, a lot of them are still gigging musicians, whether they play in bands or, uh, you know, at churches and other things. So, sure. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of the church organist, I'm sure you saw this clip from The Simpsons where the church organist right. plays in Agata de Vida, also known as the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, which yeah. I'll include a link in the show notes to that because I'm, I'm actually not a Simpsons watcher, but I ran across that clip and I thought it was hilarious. Okay, well, I, full disclosure, I am a huge Simpsons fan and <laughs> that's actually something I frequently reference on the account. And I, if, oh, and really? If you go to at organ alert, at organist alert, uh, if you go to the Twitter account and you look at the ban- the banner image right now is and has been for a long time. I've ma- I made it this. It's the scene that scene from the Simpsons episode, and it's all the people at church holding up the candles while the- <laughs> this is playing, like holding up lighters, basically. Oh, funny. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean that is something that I like. I I love to reference on the account. I love making any any possible Simpsons reference I can make, <laughs> uh, and the, just that obviously that one is a is a no brainer, uh-huh. uh, considering that what the account does and what I do on there. Yeah, tell us about the account. You started it in 2013. It's the Twitter handle at Organist Alert. Yes, that's right. And yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so basically, I was kind of doing this a little bit to a much lesser extent. I was doing what at Organist Alert does now on my own personal account. Just sort of, mm-hmm. it started out very innocently, where you know I'd be watching a hockey game because that was what I do for work and what I often do on the side as well. Uh, and I, watching a lot of games, whether it's hockey, baseball, whatever, but because of hockey, you know, I'd be watching a game and tweet to people, hey, you know, the organist, uh, the Islanders organist is playing, um, you know, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter Group or whatever, uh-huh. whatever it might be. And, I, you know, it was mainly I, uh, just a lark for me initially, like, uh-huh. you know, it was like, hey, cool, I can recognize this song. And, <laughs> and at being a keyboard player myself, you know, I, I loved, I've always loved organists. And yeah. then, have you, do you play organ or piano or both? I have a keyboard and I like, I like, I don't own an actual organ, but yeah, I like, I, I do like playing using organ tones when I play. Uh, I'm not gigging right now because I, I have a full-time job and I've been so concentrated on work, mm-hmm. but yeah, in the past, uh, you know, I love, I love just the, the sound of the organ, whether it's a Hammond B3 or, mm-hmm. you know, the classic or whether it's other kinds of, you know, jazz organs or whatnot. I, I definitely, uh, you know, I have a soft spot for, um, it, it's one of my favorite sounds in the world is just to hear the sound of the organ. So it's always been, it's always sort of had a special place for me. And if this was only natural. I basically one day, six years ago or so, I threw out the question on my personal account, just asking people, hey, like I've been throwing this out there on here, but, you know, would anyone follow an account that basically updated people on what organists were playing around the sports arenas? And, you know, I got overwhelmingly, I got, responses back saying yeah totally that'd be awesome you know that's a great idea like uh, you know and Uh so i said hey okay i'll start this account and that's how it in earnest that's how it began okay you know it didn't have very many followers at first but over time it's grown and i'm very proud of where it is now um you know a lot i owe a lot of 
its growth to connecting with the organists themselves. You know, they follow the account. A lot of the organists who are on Twitter, which is many of them, follow the account now and will share stuff that I put out there. And you know, whether it's their own work or work of others. And you know, I post news updates as well. So, like, if, you know, if a team changes an organist and it's somebody new, I'll introduce them to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of break news, if you will, and, you know, just update people with sort of the organist situations going on around the different leagues, whether there's replacements or there's, you know, there's someone's taking a break or or a team adds a second or a third one or, you know, there's Uh so I say that I I promote sports organists and the songs they play. So that's kind Uh of the that's kind of the primary focus is sharing because that's how it all started. As I said, no one was really not just sharing what sports organists were playing, but no one was really advocating for them. Uh-huh. I mean, of course, individuals, I'm sure, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of sports fans who love sports organists and stuff. So, you know, that, that certainly has always been there, but, uh, and even somebody like Doc Emmerich deserves a ton of credit, not just for being a great broadcaster, but he's one of the most vocal, uh, supporters of organ music. And he, he is constantly mentioned it on the air and he meets, he like he meets with the organists themselves before the games and says hello, comes into their booth and whatnot. So he, you know, he's, it's great to have proponents like that out there. Yeah. That's somebody with as big a platform as he has and someone who's as respected and as legendary as he is. Yeah, but, very cool. But, uh, you know, I, I also realized that there's no, there are no accounts on social media that are really bringing them all together and, and sort of repping them and, and sharing their work and everything. So I thought, Hey, this would be a cool thing to do. And, and, you know, and it's a creative outlet for me, but it's also I'm proud that I'm sort of helping them out and sharing their sharing their stuff, and and just also just creating awareness with fans who, who may they may or may not even know that their team has a live organist playing there, mm. right? Maybe they do, and they don't know what the person looks like or what their name is, and mm. maybe they don't even realize that they're on Twitter, and that's hey, so am I. I, I can follow that person. Sure. You know. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's kind of how it started, and that's where it is, and now. You know, I'm I'm really proud of the fact that it has thousands of followers and that it's it's gotten it's made in it the impact that it's made and I'm just I'm hoping that that, that continues. Uh huh. That's awesome. Very cool. How many stadiums actually use an organ versus like an electronic keyboard or a synth? That's Do any a, of them have like a real full organ? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I can rattle off a few just off the top of my head. So uh, I do know that uh, Jeremy, who I mentioned, Jeremy Boyer, who plays for the Stanley Cup champion Blues, uh, does use it. They have a, they have an actual organ at the Blues arena. Other arenas just use keyboards, which is fine too. But there are lots of other arenas that have the organ. I believe uh, Gil Ember in Anaheim has a has a full full fledged organ. Is it kind of rare, though, to have a full-fledged organ? Like, uh, 10%, yeah. you think, of the stadiums have one or less? No, I think uh, it's a little higher than that. I'm trying to think. Okay. Curtis from the Buffalo, as I mentioned, I think he has a, uh, uses a full organ as well. Frank Pellico from the Blackhawks, they have a full organ there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably more prevalent than you might think. Oh, I, cool. I'd be able to put a number on it. I wouldn't say, and I, I wouldn't say maybe it's even half and half, but it's... But it's uh, it's yeah, it's it is more prevalent than you might think. Okay. Uh, the Canadians, uh, D- Diane Bibo, who I believe is the only female organist in the NHL. Now that I think of it, hmm. uh, she's been great. She's been there for many years, and she they have a. It's Montreal, so it's a storied franchise. A lot of the storied franchises, like I said, the Blackhawks mm-hmm. and the Canadians, being examples of that, they have full fledged organs in their arenas. And yeah, and so you know they're. 
like I said, not everybody does. Not all all the teams do, and and that's understandable because they're expensive. They're you know they're heavy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so you know I get that. But uh, it's sometimes it's easier to have a keyboard that has an organ sound, and there you go, and people mm-hmm. rest, still recognize the organ. And, and for a lot of teams, that's good enough. But yeah, there are there are quite a few that have actual organs in the in the NHL. Okay, neat. Well, we have an improv segment on the show to try this at home, a hack, an experiment that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have any experiment or uh, some kind of a tip for listeners today? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I have a couple things that might be fun to do. Uh, one idea I have is to, as it, we were talking about organists, and I sort of just casually mentioned a second ago how a lot of them are on Twitter, and that's how I've connected with them. That's how they've connected with fans. And so if you're a hockey fan and you're listening to this, maybe you know who your hometown organist is, and maybe you know that they're on Twitter, but a lot of, as I say, a lot of people don't. So one kind of improv challenge, I guess, would be uh, for listeners to see not just their own hometown, if you are fortunate enough to have uh, a team in your hometown and an organist there, uh, but I would say it might be fun to go on Twitter if you're familiar with that site because that's what we're talking about here social media organists and the hobby go on twitter and see how many organists you can find uh, who have twitter accounts and it's actually it's again it might be more common than you might think uh because quite a few of them and in hockey especially uh, as i said earlier 27 of 31 teams and we'll see if seattle who's the 32nd team uh, it sounds like they may actually add uh you know higher organists so we may may have even larger number there Uh when they into the league in a couple of years. But anyway, so yeah, what I would, what I would say might be fun for listeners is to go on Twitter and see how many hockey organists you can find. And whether that's NHL or AHL, you'll see, as I said, that there's actually, yeah, there are quite a few on Twitter. And one way to kind of cheat at that, which I don't know if I should be suggesting, uh, is to, is to go on organist alert. And yeah, I have a lot of baseball stuff on there as well, but there's a lot of hockey content too. Now hockey season has been basically dormant for a few months. So you know, you're not going to be able to find a lot of hockey stuff on there right now. But just see what, see how much you can do on your own just by searching. Uh, if you happen to know the person's name, that's great. Search their name and see if they have a Twitter account. And if you don't, just uh, try searching in the team and, and, you know, various teams, various organists, and see how many you can find because there are quite a few. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And then a the second thing, just as a more general thing, now that the hockey season is about to start here, if you do have the ability to watch lots of games, or maybe it's just your hometown team. Another fun sort of improv thing, challenge to the listeners, I would say, would be when you're watching a game and you hear a song, see how many songs you can identify that the organist is playing. Again, again, not every organist, like I said, there there are four teams in the NHL that don't have one, Mm -hmm. so hopefully you're not watching those. No no offense to them. (laughs) That's their their prerogative. The teams, those teams, you know, are happy with sort of their in-game presentation and, and more power to them. Uh-huh. But what the the great thing about the NHL, and you know even more so than Major League Baseball, is just how prevalent the organ is. So there's, like I said, 27 out of 31 is a high percentage. Yeah. So if you're if you're a fan and a listener of this show, and you're you're getting excited for hockey season, uh, I would challenge you to, you know, next time you're listening to a game, see first of all if you can hear a, an organist playing. That's obviously number one. And then number two, if you can, see how many songs you can pick out or correctly identify that they're playing throughout the course of the game. And for me, that just is something I, you know, I just love to do and it comes naturally. And that's why I have this account in the first place. Uh 
but you know, even like even casual fans and, and music fans, just people who know, because there are organists that play top 40 stuff. It's not all from many, many years ago. A lot of these organists are, you know, their main job is to try to connect with to fans and uh, fans of all ages. So a lot of them are great at most of them. And if not all of them are great at sort of mixing in tunes from all kinds of different eras. So it might be fun no matter what age you are, even if you're older yourself, uh, see how many of the more contemporary tunes you can pick out or, or even, or even of the ones that are more up your alley. But, uh, that's something I really enjoy doing. And I think, uh, a lot of listeners do clearly too, because they'll, like I said, they'll respond to my account and say, Hey, the organist from this arena just played this song. So you can either do that privately yourself for this kind of challenge, or you can even hit me up at, at organist alert. And when you hear a song and often I'll share it, share it from the account because, uh, you know, that's sort of the, the whole point of the account existing in the first place. So that might be fun to do. Mm, love those great ideas. And you just mentioned, uh, an answer to my next question. How can listeners connect with you? Learn more about your work. We have the, you have the at organist alert, Twitter account, any other ways for people to connect with you and learn more about your work? Uh, sure. Well, uh, you can find my work on the score app, which is what I, that's my day job, as you mentioned. Um, uh, so I write about hockey. I'm a hockey editor for the score. I cover news and write features and cover viral stuff and whatnot. And so, yeah, you can find me on the app there on my personal account on Twitter, which is at gold and or Smith. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely include links to those in the show notes too, for listeners to connect with you. Yeah. So I would say those are the two best ways to reach me. You can, uh, you know, you can connect with me on social media and, uh, you know, I always uh, enjoy interacting with people on there. Great. We close out the show with a coda, a musical moment that's shared from our guests do you have a musical moment that you can share with us to close out our interview? Yeah. A great example of sort of music and sports blending together, which is always something that I'm interested in as somebody who runs an account like this, is what happened with the Blues this past season when they won the Cup. And before that, uh, I think a lot of hockey fans by now know the story. And uh, if you don't, basically what just quickly, the Blues were – one of the worst teams in the league uh, for the first basically half of this past season. They were, they were, uh, you know, near the bottom of the standings. And suddenly in the second half of the season, they had this remarkable turnaround. They uh, brought in a new goaltender and, you know, the team just clicked and they went all the way to the playoffs. They made this remarkable run. And then in the playoffs, they went all the way and won the Stanley cup. And along the way, uh, they had this rallying cry, which is the song Gloria. It's uh, Laura Branigan uh, had this song Gloria from the 70s. It's like a, like a classic uh, disco tune. And the, the short story is basically a bunch of blues players were in a bar in Philadelphia during the season, like before, during their struggle in, during the part of the time when they weren't doing so well. They just happened to be uh, in this bar in Philadelphia. I believe it was after a win. They finally won after losing a bunch of games. And they were celebrating in this bar in Philly, and all of a sudden, this song came on, Gloria, by Laura Brandon. And they, all the blues players, you know, they were having a good time, and this song came on. And something about it, they just started getting really into it and, you know, embraced the song fully, and they started dancing to it. And they got the whole, you know, they were all chanting, got the whole bar into it. There's a whole history of how this all started. But, yeah, and they, they just embraced this song, and then they started playing it themselves in their dressing room after wins so like after that they started playing much better that became their rallying song their rallying cry and uh they used that all the way up to the cup final and they and then they won and so 
they had obviously the recorded version that they would play at games and people, the fans also embraced that song and, you know, it became a symbol or kind of connected to their, their success. Suddenly their, their sudden unexpected success. So the fans embraced it. But then also, as I mentioned earlier, Jeremy Boyer uh, is the organist for the blues and he embraced as well. So he would play it live at games too. And, you know, he, it was also a vital part of that, you know, not, not on the ice, obviously, but, you know, he, he was, he, he got a Stanley Cup ring himself and he, he played uh, live at the um, Stanley Cup parade. You know, they invited him to come and play on stage awesome. and things. And he always plays, he's played every game for many years and he accompanies Charles Glenn, who just retired, but was their anthem singer. So, you know, he's a big part of their, their, that, that whole experience. And he, so he all, also embraced the song himself and would play it all the time and he's also very savvy about social media so he would often share there's there were lots of videos that he posted of him playing gloria and so i just thought uh, that's a really great another great example of sort of the impact that um, music can have on sports and also and in this case particularly how the impact of, of live organists on the team and i'm not saying that Jer- because jeremy was playing Gloria that they were that that's the reason why they won the cup or anything. Mm-hmm. Of course. But he, I mean, he embraced it along with the players, and it just became part of that whole experience of uh, watching Blues games. And even people who are not Blues fans, if you're if you're at all a hockey fan, you know about Gloria because it became such a huge part of their team uh, of this run this past spring. So so hearing Jeremy play it is special for the reasons I mentioned, but. Um, you know, it's great that he records himself playing it and that, you know, anybody can just pull up YouTube and, and uh, you know, and search for him and find him playing his songs. So, and especially this one, it means so much to the team and, you know, they won a championship and they'll forever associate that song with winning a title. So it's just, it's just really cool. That is very cool. Love it. Here is Jeremy Boyer's YouTube video. I'll include a link in the show notes too, but here's Jeremy Boyer playing the railing cry for the blues. Gloria.
happy hockey season. Thank you listeners for joining us today. A special thank you goes to listener Nicole who posted on Facebook. I am enjoying your podcast. I am finding the topics useful in my own life and my preschool teacher life too. Music is a gift. As a preschool teacher, I use music for all ends of the activity spectrum, from getting the sillies out to just for fun to finding the calm. In many instances, it works as our classroom stoplight, green for go and red for stop. Okay, this is another example of an idea I wish I thought of when my kids were little. If you're a preschool teacher or you have preschool age children, try experimenting with playing different kinds of music for different purposes. You might find that playing different music can set the stage for winding up and getting energized in the morning, calming and winding down before a nap or bedtime. I'm sure certain music can have a soothing effect And I'm kind of curious if music with a certain energy can help kids who are having a tantrum feel like they are more fully expressing their emotions. I know there's certain songs that I play on the piano that are my venting songs. So I imagine kids who are having a temper tantrum can benefit from some of that music too. Let me know if you experiment with this and if you do what you observe. Thank you, Nicole, for that listener improv. Each episode includes an improv from our guests, a try-this-at-home experiment or hack, a practical, concrete way to enhance life with music. Send me your listener improv, like Nicole did, by sharing the practical ways you use music to enhance your life. Leave a comment on my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. Comment on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or send me an email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.